On Monday, the Nobel laureate and co-architect of the Northern Ireland peace process, John Hume, passed away at the age of 83. A giant of the political scene in Northern Ireland, he was most well known for his role in the Good Friday Agreement that brought the so-called Troubles to a close, and for his commitment to non-violent support for a gradualist route to a united Ireland. I spoke to Daniel Finn, author of One Man's Terrorist, A Political History of the IRA, about Hume's legacy, the simplistic contrast made between the politics of Hume and supporters of the armed campaign against British rule in Northern Ireland, and the class and generational factors that informed Hume's political outlook. You can find links to Daniel's recent articles on John Hume in Jacobin and the London Review of Books in the description of today's episode. In an article in The Guardian, Seamus O'Reilly wrote that Hume enjoyed a reputation that was not far off sainthood. Former American President Bill Clinton compared Hume to Martin Luther King and and, and Hume's life has been celebrated across the political spectrum in a way that it's pretty hard to imagine regarding many other politicians and, and certainly none of Hume's political contemporaries in Northern Ireland. In your article in Jacobin, you're also complimentary about Hume and his political stance, but you you do try to complicate the contrast that's commonly made between the so-called men of violence and, and the men of peace. Could you outline what you were driving at there, and in particular in the contrast that, that you make between Hume and, and Sinn Féin's Martin McGuinness, who, who of course was one of the leaders of the Provisional IRA's Derry Brigade in the 1970s? Yeah, well, I think the the reputation that Hume enjoyed and the affection in which he was held, it clearly did owe something to his personal qualities that as a politician, he was as honest and as principled and as self-sacrificing as you could reasonably expect someone to be, because the context in which he was operating in Northern Ireland for most of his career was one where executive office simply wasn't open to him. But that contrast that you mentioned between the men of violence and the men of peace, you know, that's one of the dominant frameworks that people bring to bear on the troubles. And it's really unhelpful because it may explain the behavior of individuals. You know, each individual exercises their choice and questions of personal morality do come into play when they decide whether to take up arms against the state or not. But when you're talking about social aggregates, you know, whole classes of people acting in a particular way, you have to look at politics and sociology and and, and look at the bigger picture because those questions of individual choice and personal morality don't have the same relevance. You know, to talk about the difference between John Hume and Martin McGuinness as if Hume had simply made a choice for non-violence and Martin McGuinness had made a choice to go to war really doesn't help us to understand what made either man tick, what made the political movements that they led tick. And it also deprives that comparison between them of a lot of its interest. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode of PTO Extra, please consider becoming a $5 supporter on Patreon, as well as getting access to extended versions of regular PTO shows. You'll also get access to all future episodes of PTO Extra. Thanks for listening.